You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George Willis titled, Love Where You Live. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. right into it. We're kicking off a two-week series, uh, and hopefully I can get through this one in light of the exciting news we just dropped. Uh, and, and, and it's something that is, is really important to, to me and the life of my family. Uh, give you a little context, a little history, and I'm kind of going to talk about the last 18 months, couple of years. When my wife and I left Creekside Church to go plant Generations Church, from day one, before we op- even opened the doors uh, to Generations Church, we started this thing called a neighborhood uh, Christmas tree lighting party at our house. We had this 15, 20 foot uh, uh, Colorado, is it Colorado um, spruce? In our front yard, I mean, the, the whole front yard was like a, a, just a goat track. It was weeds and whatever, but we had this tree. And I'm like, man, this tree is going to unlock, you know, our connection with our neighborhood. And I said, I, w- I want to do a tree lighting at our house. And I want to invite, you know, everyone and anyone to come and, and participate, you know, kind of like the city does, right? But we're doing it on our street. And so this first year we lived in our house, uh, I got all these Christmas lights. We lit it up like the Griswolds, and uh, we invited people over to our house. And the first year, I don't know, we had maybe 20, 30 people from our neighborhood. And then the second year, we did it, even more lights on the tree, and then we added some ornaments. And we added a, a cafe out on our porch where some, a family that went to Generations owned a cafe in Concord and they would bring the espresso machine and we'd make hot chocolate and espresso drinks. And I know some of you who are uh, here now have been there at some point over the last 10 years of us doing this. It was an amazing time. Every year we did it, more and more people came. And what I loved about it was people from our neighborhood connected with people from our church in a non-awkward, non-threatening way. And we'd do some really cool stuff. We, we would have a drawing for C's candy because, come on, somebody, Christmas without C's candy is not really Christmas. <laughs> and we would, we would give away things. We would do drawings. We would, you know, for Kristen and I to really, it was kind of a sneaky stealth way of getting to know our neighbors. We would have these like lame questions that each person showing up would have to fill out. You know, like, what is your favorite Christmas song? What are you hoping for for the new year? You know, and it breaks our heart. Go, what, what, what's your biggest wish for Christmas? And, and one gentleman said to live another year. I think that was it. And I think he did that one year. And then he passed the following. I get a little emotional because over the years... You really get to know people. You get to know their story. You you get to experience this life with them. And then 
we, we'd sing songs together. We'd do a drawing to who was gonna, because we had this, the tree on remote, and we'd say, who gets to light the tree? We'd all go out in my front yard. I have, if you go to my Facebook, there's pictures of it. If you go to my wife's Facebook, there's pictures of it, and you can see it. It was just an amazing time of, of our, our neighborhood connecting with one another in a real way. We'd count down, they'd light the tree, and that tree would just poof light up and it glowed. I mean, it, I live near the, uh, the, where Dick's Sporting Goods is and you can see my house from a portion of, of Dick's Sporting Goods. You can see this tree when it was lit up, probably from outer space, but definitely from Dick's. And after, after uh, nine or 10 years of doing this, the tree died. That's not the worst part. The tree died, and I actually lit it up after it officially died for one more year. And then uh, I cut it down. And the, 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 the Christmas following the year, I cut it down. We're looking for a Christmas tree to put back up because we want to keep, we want to do this again. There's a space for it. The reason, uh, the year after I cut it down, I cannot tell you how many cars pulled up to my house not necessarily for my cul-de-sac or my street or my, even in my neighborhood, but just people who said, what happened to your tree? Every year we would come and see your tree. And I said, it died. Oh man, are you going to, you know, plant a new one? I'm not kidding you. The, the Christmas after I cut it down. It definitely had an impact. So in the process of looking forward to this, this gathering every year where we got to connect and, and some people visited our church that, that came and we made some really significant deep relational connections. We all know what happened in 2020. We couldn't gather anymore. COVID. And, and, and for most of us who have been coming now unmasked and, you know, we're traveling now, we forget it was just like, what, 15, 16 months ago that we were not able to do this. We weren't able to have our Christmas tree lighting party. And just about the, the time when the pandemic was in full swing, after, you know, a few months of not being able to gather one of our neighbors planned this kind of cul-de-sac get-together because we've had some established relationships. And as we gathered out in our cul-de-sac, that intrigued some other neighbors on our street as well during the pandemic. Like, what's going on? And we ended up with a number of the usual and not, not the usual neighbors coming down, setting up lawn chairs in the street, socially distanced, hanging out. It was like this chain reaction because the few of us who chose to get outside of our house and gather together that meant our neighbors down the street were compelled to join us. Which reminded me of a couple of things. One, 
that our lives really are interdependent and interconnected. It reminded me that we do really need one another, even those of us who go, eh, I really don't like people. <laughs> we need one another. We were created and wired for relationship. And the second thing is, and this is what I noticed, that our neighborhood looked drastically different for the times we were all hanging out together. It looked different. And it actually became a picture of what happened during this entire ordeal just a number of months ago. For those few events, along with a couple of other gathering opportunities, something incredible happened in the midst of this uh, horrible pandemic season. In the midst of, of, of this kind of collective isolation, which is weird to say, Something happened in our cul-de-sac as a result. And maybe you've seen evidence of this in your life as well. This is what I noticed. That barriers, barriers between our neighbors begin to come down. Except for my backyard neighbor. We never had a fence between him and I. And I didn't meet my neighbor until we had to build a fence. So that's the one exception when a barrier actually connected somebody. Now, to clarify, we, we have some pretty rad neighbors. I love our neighbors. And, and, and listen, we wave to one another. We check in on one another. We, we uh, you know, we greet one another. Uh, Kristen and I, from even before we bought our house, we were in like two or three houses because we went and knocked on doors going, hey, we're thinking about buying this house. They're all, come on in. We're all, okay. I mean, and then we hung out with them for a significant amount of time before we even moved into the neighborhood. How's that for introversion? <laughs> and we've hosted them as well, like I said, with these Christmas tree lighting parties. But the reality is we all lead busy lives, right? We got so much going on. And that's pretty much as far as some of the relationships went. And I know you can relate. Like I said, we got some pretty rad neighbors. There's, there's, during this time, one set of neighbors, get this. Not, not churchgoers. I wouldn't call them Christ followers, but you know what? They went around in our cul-de-sac and they, and they set up a, a text chain. Why? Just in case anybody needed anything. Hey, let's get our cell phone numbers together. You know, let's get one another's cell phones just in case anyone has any needs. So, in all, going back to this cul-de-sac hangout, in one day, all of our neighbors who were home at the time were in lawn chairs out in the street, you know, with snacks and drinks and hanging out, talking about uh, their life and sharing about their life and what, what they've been up to uh, during this season of, of the shelter in place. You know what we were really doing? We were really getting to know one another on a whole different level. Barriers coming down. In other words, what hadn't happened in nine years of living on that street happened in just a few short months. The barriers came down. Today and next week, I want to talk about really loving people right where you live. Loving people right where you live. 
And I'm going to talk about something that is always important, but seems especially significant in the current context of our life today in this unique season, whether it was the pandemic or some of the residual results of that, or maybe it's some illness concerns that some of us still have. Or maybe it's an uncertainty about our current economic situation, you know, the inflation, or maybe you're just tired of it all. Now I'm going to invite you to turn or your Bible or click on your favorite Bible app to Matthew chapter 22, verses 23 through 40, which will be our text for today. And before I get to that, See, I call this message series, Love Where You Live, because it's really the most basic, but perhaps the most impactful way to demonstrate the love of Jesus to others. Loving where you live. I mean, as we all know, we all live through it, the pandemic and the restrictions of this past couple of years, the current inflation, the fuel prices. I mean, how many of my wife's all, isn't it ironic that we're getting excited about $4.90 gas? <laughs> what has happened over the last few years has limited our travel to almost every mission field on the face of this earth, except the very one we overlook the most. And that's the mission field right where you live. There are probably some people listening today who are already thinking, man, with everything going on right now, uh, I was hoping to go deeper. I want some, uh, you know, sound, profound theological truth that will blow my mind. Well, good news. I got some for you. How about we focus on something that was such a profound theological truth that Jesus himself identified it as the second greatest commandment. The second greatest commandment. Now, I also want to be clear because I'm guessing some of our neighbors may be here today or maybe watching online, checking us out. I'm not proposing that, you know, that we have some sneaky backhanded gospel presentation to people, but really genuinely discover what it means to be a good neighbor, a good neighbor. It it, it doesn't matter what your background is because I think we can all benefit from this concept every single one of us in this room. Matthew 22, 34 through 40, it says this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. See, they were trying to catch him. They were trying to trap Jesus. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. He said, love your who? Love your who? Look at your neighbor you're sitting next to and say, I got to love you. Or, Or I get to love you. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, Jesus says, and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. The entire law. 
are based on these two. Love God and love others. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? You know why? Because that's Creekside's tagline. (laughs) (laughs) That a church would have love God, love others. Now, uh, this may be a little review for some, but an important one. We've been given two powerful commandments, powerful commandments as Christians, as followers of Jesus, commands, not options, commands, not if you have time, commands, we have to do this. The first is the great commission. The Great Commission, go and make disciples. The second is the Great Commandment, commission and commandment. Commandment, love God and do what? Love people. Every single one of us can help bring our neighbors closer to Jesus by understanding the biblical principle of how to neighbor. Love your neighbor. Say it with me. Love your neighbor. Let's make it personal. Say, love my neighbor. neighbor. A little harder to say, isn't it? (laughs) Love my neighbor. Now, I want to go over two kind of key things about this. One, the who. Proximity. Who is our neighbor? Who's our neighbor? And this is really important because if we're having a conversation right now, some of you would would tell me something like, PG, I know who my neighbor is. But I, I, I think as you call me to love my neighbor, I'm thinking my neighbor is, you know, my coworker, maybe my, you know, my kid's parents or my kid's friend's parents, maybe, maybe my kid's classmates at school, or maybe my neighbor is my church community. But I'm not sure it, it's, it's talking about those necessarily who live right next door to me. But the words, or the word used in Matthew chapter 22, and in the same conversation that takes place in Luke 10, for neighbor is telling. Plazion. Plazion, it's the root word for meaning near, next to. It's really saying, in other words, a neighbor is someone who is close by. Now, I'm going to get all deep and theological on you for a second. The word neighbor actually means your next door neighbor. That's what the root word means. It means actual neighbor. God you know, that God has on purpose, for a purpose, placed you among those you live amongst. On purpose. For a purpose. Now, some of us are going, yeah, the purpose is for them to annoy the crud out of me. (laughs) I'm not talking about their purpose. I'm talking about your purpose. It's to love them. In Luke's gospel account of the same conversation, one of those listening asked Jesus to specify who qualified, do we ever do that? 
He asked Jesus to say, okay, Jesus, who exactly is my neighbor? And Jesus' response is where we get the most famous parable, and you may have heard of it, called the Good Samaritan. Central to the idea of the Good Samaritan is, the, you know, is that people were trying to get around caring for neighbors. Anybody here can relate to that? People were trying to get around caring for, loving neighbors. And how'd they do it? They were trying to redefine who their neighbors were. By focusing on current agendas and relational networks rather than dealing with the needs right in front of them, right next door to them. And the heart and the core of the answer is that there is no one, say no one, who, I mean, no matter what, no matter if they're Democrat or Republican, no matter if whatever, they don't believe the same thing. There is no one who is exempt or exempts you from the call to love your neighbor. Not even if you don't like them. No one exempts us from the call of loving our neighbor. See, Jesus had in mind for us to love more people than those who, who live next door to us. I get that. I understand that. But wouldn't that at the very least include our next door neighbors? Here's what you need to understand. You were placed in proximity to the people around you on purpose for a purpose. And those people were placed in proximity to you for a reason. See, I think we've reduced neighboring to less than it really is. It means God has placed you next to people to love them. To share the, the story of what Jesus is doing in your life. The hope and the healing that the good news brings. You know, and most of it, you know, your job is just to disguise God's given you to accomplish his purpose. Well, I'm a mailman. No, you're not. You're a carrier of the good news. Your job is to share it. Now go deliver it. <laughs> Sorry for all the mailmen, James. <laughs> the problem might be, I think out of our desire to make everyone our neighbor, social media, anybody? We've made no one our neighbor. The truth is you can see everyone as your neighbor and love them and honor God through it. But doesn't it seem especially backwards given what the scripture says about the importance of our placement that we would ignore our literal next door neighbor? It turns out that the world is also discovering what Jesus said was a really good idea. I don't know if it's a GLS where I heard this story. I think Mac, uh, Malcolm Gladwell was part of it in, in recent history. But Mal Malcolm Gladwell shared this story in his book called Outliers. He, he told the story of a, 
of a town in, in Pennsylvania called uh, Rosetto. And, and this town in Pennsylvania was made up from a lot of transplants from a village of the same name in Italy. And intrigued by the extremely low incidence of disease in these citizens in this town in Pennsylvania, in Rosetto, there was really extremely low incidences of coronary artery disease in anyone younger than 55. Medical researchers in the 1960s dedicated themselves to studying why this seems to be, to studying this phenomenon. And here's what they found out. They found their diets weren't any better than everyone else's. It wasn't keto, it wasn't low carb, it wasn't, you know, Atkins or whatever. Their diets weren't any better, but their connections to their neighbors were profound. The relationship. The relationship to their neighbors. And what it did, it actually caused them to live longer. But the reality is this isn't something, some new discovery. I think it's God's blueprint. I think it's God's design. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17, verses 24 and 27, Paul is speaking to philosophers in, in Athens and he says this, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He's served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives, all, uh, gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. It says in 26, he, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Having determined allotted periods and, what's it say? The boundaries of their dwelling places. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us. Did you catch that? Boundaries of their dwelling places. You were placed in your neighborhood for a reason. And so were your neighbors. By God. The church today has more literature, more media, more programs, and training for reaching others than any time in our history. Classes on how to evangelize and programs to invite your friends to. Today is like no other time in history. Literature, media, programs, and training for reaching others. But the church in America, in most areas, is declining. Could it be as simple as we've forgotten the most fundamental part of this process? That Jesus said to start with your neighbor. 
Just imagine if God's people caught a vision for the most basic command Jesus gave us, to love your neighbor. That's the who. That's the proximity. Now let's talk about the verb. God calls you to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. How do we love our neighbor? I think it's through kindness. What does it mean to love your neighbor? Sometimes we overlook the practical idea of loving. What if the command said, like your neighbor? What would you do to express like? Think about it. Because I think that might be an easier way to think about this. And that kindness can eventually and ultimately ramp up into a genuine, authentic love for your neighbor. In other words, God is calling us to invest in our neighbors. God is calling us to sacrifice for our neighbors when necessary and ultimately show the kindness of God to our neighbors. Now, understanding this more often than not, in the church, especially today, I think many Christians tend to jump the great commandment to love God, to love people, in order to get to the great commission of making disciples. We got to get them into a Bible study. They need to learn what the, the, you know, the good book says. They need to, you know why we do that? Because it's easier for us. Put them in a program. Put them in a class. It's like we don't want to invest energy, the time to share kindness. But sometimes we're surprised and shocked when people just don't show up to our Bible study. See, we have to do both to be effective. Both. It's not one or the other. One is not more valuable than the other. It's both. It's both. The great commission, great commandment. Uh, how many of you guys uh, have a green thumb? <laughs> I mean, horticulturally. Like you, you, you love to plant. How many plant moms do we have in the house? How many plant dads? Really, I'll be praying for you. Or you need some more friends. I don't know, but no, I'm just kidding. But listen, we all know what the concept of a seed, right? And when is the best time to plant a vegetable garden? Spring. Spring. Thank you, Pastor Christina. Spring is the best time to plant a garden. And there's two ways to do that. You could plant a seed. It would have been awesome if our creative arts department had props for me. You could, but they didn't know. Nor do we have like a props department. Uh, you can have a seed or you can go to the store and, and, and buy some plants that are already kind of sprouted and they're called what? Seedlings. Right? What do they do differently? A seed and a seedling. What do they do differently? Absolutely nothing. There's no difference between the two. But for the seeds, you know what? You have to wait. And sometimes that's painful. Is this thing ever going to grow? 
It's never going to sprout. They do nothing differently. But for the seeds, you have to wait. What I'm saying is this. There are no seedlings in God's kingdom. Let that sink in for a second. There's no seedlings in God's kingdom. You have to start with the seed and you have to trust him when you can't see any progress. Or as Jesus put it, you have to love your neighbor. And I don't mean casually connecting with your neighbor just so you could make a presentation to invite them to church. It means getting to know the people around you because they are worth getting to know. It means listening as much as talking. It means letting the Holy Spirit do the work in the midst of your relationship. And that takes God's timing. And we have to be willing to wait. How then are we to love these neighbors? Jesus gets a little deeper on this, a little more in our face. He says, love your neighbors as yourself. And I want to focus in on that word, yourself. Because here's what I know to be true. I don't, I don't think any of us have any problem with loving ourselves. I think how much we actually do love ourselves, how much of our activity centers around our care, our priorities, our schedule, what we want to do, right? Would you agree? We don't have a problem loving ourselves. Centers around our comfort, If that's true, then we should try to imagine what it would be like if we showered that same type of love on our neighbor and made them the priority. And once we can imagine that, then you know what we should do? We should do it. Listen, I love that Creekside Church is so intentional, intentional with meeting the deep and real needs of the people here, of the people in our communities, and the people in our nation, and the people all around our world. But we cannot call ourselves the hands and feet of Jesus if we simultaneously ignore the needs or uh, neglect to be kind to those nearest, nearest to us. in our everyday life. The people around you matter to God. So much so that he gave his one and only son to die for them. So if they matter to Jesus, people have to and should matter to us. Have you ever thought about how these two commands are connected? Love God, love people. We love God with everything within us. Why? Because he first loved us. He first loved us. We didn't earn it. 
We didn't, remember what I said, what was good a couple of weeks ago? You can never outgood God's grace. You can never be good enough. He first loved us. And if you look closely at the story of the Good Samaritan, you'll see Jesus in the role of the Samaritan. A stranger who had no obligation whatsoever. No obligation. Right? Because how many times if you're like me, you're going, I'll love you only if you love me back. I'll help you if you help me. No obligation to help someone who more than likely would have been considered an enemy. Yet he stepped outside of his own rights. Jesus did. Entered into our pain and gave his own life for you and me. That's the heart of the gospel. That is the foundation of everything we stand on. And I think that is where some of us just need to start. You see, when we say people matter immensely to God, we're saying you matter immensely to me. Jesus gave his life for you. You know what Jesus does? Jesus loves you to death. And our love for him should be the death of us. Listen, I wonder whether someone here in person today or watching online who is ready to place your trust in Jesus, to hand over your heart and your life to Christ. I know there's someone here today and I know there might be someone watching online, but for all of us, I wonder whether we're ready to get intentional about this command to love our neighbors. Because I wanna encourage you to join me in the next couple of weeks with this very opportunity to love our neighbors like we never loved them before. And I wanna encourage you and challenge you to show kindness to the very people that are right next door. I made a commitment as a pastor professionally and personally, more personally than professionally, to never ask you to do something that I was not willing to do myself. And I've been doing this since I've left Creekside. And I've seen what God has done in it and through it. I want to challenge you, invite you, encourage you to show kindness to your neighbors. I don't know if the barriers have been, uh, ever been lower than they are today because I know that people are starved for relationship. They are starved to be know or to, to know and be known. People are starved for hope and love. And here's what I'm challenging, uh, challenging all of us to do and what it involves. Two simple applications. If you're taking notes, write this down because I don't want you to forget about it. The first one is reach out to your neighbor. Reach out to your neighbor. Not to invite them to a Bible study unless God tells you to. Not to invite them to church. 
but reach out to them to connect with them. Just to connect with them. Look for non-awkward ways to connect. Maybe look for ways to help them in the coming days, in the coming week. And I think this time of the year is perfect. I'll tell you why. Because during the summer, what do we do? We create different environments for people to relationally connect. Relationally connect. Remember, it's both Bible study and relational connection. That's why we do these grill and chills. I crashed one last night because someone invited me to try the little hot dogs wrapped in bacon. And I'm telling you, that, that grill and chill was hopping. People hanging out. And here I'm focused. I come in, where's the hot dog? Great, thanks. Knuckle bump, I'm out. And I know there's a number of grill and chills. I mean, those grill and chills, let me clarify, were set up not for you to have a good time. It, they were set up for you to invite your neighbors to come along with you and meet some other cool people from Creekside for a relational connection. Trivia night. Why are we doing trivia night? Because we're like a social club? No. Because trivia night is, is contextual. It's what people far from the church understand. So why wouldn't we do it and redeem it for God's kingdom and create an environment where, where God can work through those who go to Creekside, who follow Christ, and maybe change someone else's life forever? It's relational connection. Now, does that mean we're going to do more of those relational things? No, it's a both and because we're gearing up for small groups and I'm hoping that there's some people in here that want to dive deep into God's word because that's where life transformation happens. But it's the kindness of God that leads people to that place. Listen, if we want to love someone, it's really helpful. And this is a freebie. If you want to love someone, it's really helpful if you know their first name. <laughs> so in, in reaching out to your neighbors, don't do the whole pull into the driveway, say, hey, bro, change it to, hey, Joe. Get to know your neighbor. And then the second thing is I want you to pray for your neighbors. Pray, pray, pray. Ask God for opportunities to connect with them relationally. Pray that, that God's grace overwhelms them. Um, because here's what I know. Many of our neighbors, and I know this personally, that they're facing anxieties, they're facing worries, they're, they're facing fears, they're facing uncertainties. They need your prayer. That's it. Connect with your neighbors, get to know their first name, and pray for them. Can we do that? Can we do that? Uh, I know you can do it. I know you can do it because you guys are amazing. Uh, maybe for some it looks like this. Maybe, and, and I've done this, 
Go mow your neighbor's lawn. Freak them out. <laughs> what are you doing? Great opportunity to explain. Maybe you invite them over for a game night. Maybe you help them move something. Maybe, maybe you just check in on them. Kristen and I do that. Hey, everything all right? Gene, you doing all right? Just want to make sure. Gene, by the way, is the one that wanted the extra year of life. Go check in on them. And it, it's, listen, it's, I'm talking specifically about our next door neighbors, but I am well known in the Starbucks across the street from my house. Well known. I mean, they see me coming up and they say, here's your coffee and here's your bacon gouda sandwich, George. But the relationship I have with those guys and, and those girls, I'm believing God's going to use it for something. Maybe just go check in on them. Maybe you cook a meal for your neighbor. Whenever I barbecue or smoke, meat. <laughs> My specialty, we, Chris and I have these uh, pop-up pulled pork parties. Anyway, when I, whenever I barbecue or I, I, I smoke meat, um, <laughs> what I do is I slice up some of that and I go share it with my next door neighbors. They had to put up with the smoke, uh, but I share the meat with them. I always have a portion for them. Maybe you go cook a meal for somebody. See, I can't make a very good casserole. Actually, I've never made a casserole. But here's what I know I could do. I can love right where I live. I can love right where I live. And as the worship team comes up, I want to uh, close with this. As you get started, I want to make one simple suggestion for this challenge for this week of getting out there, connecting with our neighbors and praying for our neighbors. As you get started, I want to make one simple suggestion to help you be successful. Because we all want to succeed at this, right? Humor me. Yes, we do. So here's one simple suggestion. You know the patio furniture you have uh, in your backyard, the, 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 the lawn chairs or, you know, that you have set up all nice and neat in your backyard for some of your family time or private time. Here's what I'm uh, suggesting. Maybe take those chairs you've been using on your back patio and move them to the front porch. Now, this is my house. Ignore the cracks. But Kristen and I, ever since we've lived there, we've always had that set up in, on our front porch. Why do we do that? Because we want to be engaged in the life of our cul-de-sac. So we can stand out there and wave at our neighbors. Or we can stop what we're doing. You sometimes will eat dinner out there. Sometimes Kristen will just go sit out there in the sun. I don't know, that's weird. But <laughs> vitamin D. Vitamin D. And D. I'm telling you, I'm showing you this, not because I'm going, well, cool lantana, uh, for all you green thumbs out there. Uh, I'm showing you, because I want you to know that this is what I'm doing. This is what we are doing. And it's not that hard to do. You just have to do it. Take the back patio furniture and put it on the porch and sit there. But do it in a way where your HOA doesn't send you a cease and desist letter. It's like, what's the pile of garbage on your porch? And just sit there in the evening when everybody comes home for work and just watch how God uses that time. 
Will you take that challenge? I mean, can you imagine if all of our community churches, every church in this area did this? We're about, listen, there are about 23 or so Christ-centered churches in, in, in Martinez, 23. And in those churches combined, there are about a couple of thousand members. That's about 2,000 households. And if each of us just shared the love of God to just four neighbors, that's 8,000 households. That is 24,000 people. 24,000 people who will be blessed in this season. 8,000 homes would have access to the love and life-giving message of Jesus with something that costs no money or very little resources. All it is is just taking Jesus at his word. And I want Creekside Church to lead the way. Be the example. Stop making excuses. Let's make it a priority. And as you stand with me, let me encourage you with this. Next week, show up the same place, same time, or at the 1030, depends if you want to eat breakfast or not. I want to talk about two ways that we cannot just be a good neighbor, but two ways where we can be a great neighbor, a great neighbor. You guys, thank you so much for allowing me the time to share my heart with you. And I'm praying for you. And I hope you have an amazing week. And I will be praying that you connect with people that you've never connected with before. Your love.